Hey everyone, this is a little sample of our Nature of the State Part 3. It's really great. If you wanted to hear the whole thing, become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. Or if you cannot afford to, go ahead and drop in the Discord and I will hook you up with the full episode. Uh, but for now, enjoy this sample. Labor peace is not in our interest. Solidarity forever. Right. Well, that's like the that's that's the deviousness of the American media uh, sphere, right? Is that they're like technically private companies. If you follow the money, you can tell that they receive tons of government funding and assistance and support and criticism and moderation. But like ostensibly, they're not a wing of the government. But when you look at their behavior, especially with regard to like Dan was saying, some of the most critical elements of the American project, which are imperialism and war, uh, they're in complete and fucking total lockstep. CNN, Fox News. MSNBC networks that you would think with American liberal brain would be at each other's throats over any given fucking issue are just completely convergent on that stuff and so you have to wonder like okay they're not technically an arm of the government but they're functionally an arm of the government so what I guess I really meant is they're not ostensibly an arm of the government because I think <laughs> mm -hmm. technically in terms of how they technically operate they absolutely are a wing of the government like let's be clear yeah. about that Right, because if we look at the way that things are approved of and are not approved of by the state apparatus itself, we can even see in the media industry that a lot of these like uh, reporters who are in like the big news brands are very much so just allowed to do whatever they want, especially when they toe the line. But then you can see the repression of journalists uh, covering protests or, or other sorts of uh, maybe things that don't toe the line of capitalism and the and the state hegemony and how those are often you know re repressed by the the police and and so there isn't you know it shows a level of complicity between mm -hmm. the, those uh, media apparatuses and the state itself and that they know what lines not to go through not only that and we can uh, you know take one thing from uh, Noam Chomsky and probably the, one of the only things we can take from him is the uh, idea of the manufacturing of consent and who is the one who pays for the media well it is right. the ruling class that is the one who pays for the advertising it is the business uh, you know conglomerates or even just like the chamber of commerce style organizations that that dictate whether or not a program is going to get any money to continue doing any sort of journalism right. and we see see that as like an, another small function of that kind of uh, it's it's a small um, piece of that hegemony and how how it enforces itself. Yeah, I mean they made a, they made a Cuomo brother a primetime talking head. So <laughs> yeah. I mean if that doesn't let you know that like there's a revolving door not just between the state and corporations but between the state and news outlets and and you know the the press and and media outlets then like I don't know what would convince you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so. And well, well. Also, I want to I want to bring up one more point. Is, is that like the the businesses that become very. This isn't just like exclusive to the you know the educational media or the news media. You know because uh, where if we look at the way that that jobs function, the way that businesses grow, and and uh, and those private industries, which we've already said are basically a part of the state function because of this kind of hegemonic ideal is uh, those those very strong businesses like Walmart or Amazon are absolutely doing the exact same reproduction of the the state ideology 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so Gramsci continues here with a, a, a couple uh, quotes to kind of flesh out what he's talking about with, with this concept, where he starts with, you know, a comparison. Quote, the expression, the state as policeman, means a state whose functions are limited to the safeguarding of public order and of respect for the laws. The fact is glossed over that in this form of regime, which has never existed except on paper as a limiting hypothesis, hegemony over its historical development belongs to private forces, to civil society, which is state too, indeed is the state itself. And he continues, in reality, the state must be conceived of as an educator, inasmuch as it tends precisely to create a new type or level of civilization. Because one is acting essentially on economic forces, reorganizing and developing the apparatus of economic production, creating a new structure. The conclusion must not be drawn that superstructural factors should be left to themselves to develop spontaneously to a haphazard and sporadic germination. The state in this field, too, is an instrument of rationalization, of acceleration, and of tailorization. It operates according to a plan, urges, incites, solicits, and punishes. For once the conditions are created in which a certain way of life is possible, then criminal action or omission must have a punitive sanction with moral implications and not merely to be judged generically as dangerous. The law is repressive and is the repressive and negative aspect of the entire positive civilizing activity undertaken by the state. And so and is, there's a lot this is really going great. on. Yeah, there's a lot going on in those quotes and there's just a couple of terms that I'm going to like just explain as some background for folks because they're very one is a specifically, you know, Marxist term and, and another is very specific to the time period he's talking about there. Mm-hmm. When he talks about superstructural factors, that's where Gramsci's talking about the base superstructure dialectic, which is uh, a core part of a lot of, you know, Marxist political economic theory. But uh, just a basic summation of it is that the base of a society is conceived of as its economic foundation. The idea is this is coming from Marx, where he basically says it's like it is not man's social consciousness, which creates his living conditions. It is his living, and I'm paraphrasing, his living conditions create his social consciousness. Right. And so the, the idea is that from a historical materialist perspective, you have first your mode of production, and from that flows things like political society, civil society, morality, religion, all of these things flow from the base, which is your economic foundation, and then up into your ideological, quote-unquote, superstructure built on top of it. And so when he's talking about the conclusion is that superstructural factors uh, you know, can't be left to themselves— what he means by that is is that it's it's essential for any state, and and he's using the example of the bourgeois state, but this would be true of you know any you know state, even a, a socialist project. You even if you've managed to change the base mode of production, you that's not the entire job of the state. Is that it also has to maintain the relations that are required to keep that mode of production going, and in order to do that requires work within the superstructure so and not just you know the the legislature the various instruments that we think of as the government but also all these parts of civil society 